Previously on Coming Out of the Cosmic Closet. I also like read tarot cards. I have a little bit of mediumship happens occasionally. Sometimes, you know, like a bit of a dead person will just pop on in and want to have a bit of a... That would often be the time when I'm doing a tarot reading and suddenly, you know... Grandpa Travers come in to have a talk about the new car I'm buying. Like, it seems like I hate to say that the, the, the sort of gender uh, lines run on the other side, but it's the dads and the uncles are always about like the car and the renovations, and the mums wow. and the grandmas are very often about, ooh, you know, found this nice fella for you. Yeah. And stuff. It's super cute. Everyone has a special gift. Mine, the circle of light. They speak through me, and they're here to assist the planet's evolution to a more enlightened space. And for some reason, they chose me, a raunchy comedian, to be their vessel. I used to be secretive about my ability, but now it's time to come out of the cosmic closet, and you should too. My name is Georgia Jean, and these are my crazy stories. You know, I was crying on the plane. <laughs> yeah. I did have a few wines. And I said, I, was like, I said to the airline stewardess, I was like, yeah, like I'm that person on this flight. You know, I'm sure you have one of us every flight. <laughs> yeah. In like, case you were wondering who it is on this flight. It is me. You're looking at her. You're, <laughs> looking, you're looking at us. <laughs> Give me the Chardonnay. Yeah. <laughs> hey, everybody, and welcome back to Coming Out of the Cosmic Closet. So fun and exciting to have all you adventurers in cosmic wisdom, magic, energy thingamajiggies, all that sort of thing. I am Georgia Jean from Circle Evolution and I'm joined by my beautiful and charming and wonderful (laughs) sidekick in this business, Melissa Ritigliano of TheMarsLab.com. Hi. Hi. So glad to be back on the cosmic couch with you. Yes, indeed. It's good to be back. We took a little break. We did. Because you lost your dear papa. Yes, yes. Yeah, we're so sorry to hear that. Yeah, pretty big event yeah. in, uh, in anybody's life. Yeah. Energetically. And I think it's actually really interesting because in our first episode, we talked a lot about mediumship and mm-hmm. it's not even my biggest thing that I do like I've had some pretty cool things happen in it but it's not my biggest thing and after I was was like gosh why am I talking about talking to dead people (laughs) so much right at the top of the show little known to me at that time that I'd sort of be on the other side of the cosmic couch now (laughs) yeah with uh, yeah yeah, with my dad passing and kind of experiencing what it's like to want to make that connection and yeah. to receive that connection and go through that, um, you know, having someone be physical and now be non-physical when it's right. like a really significant relationship. Yeah. 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 I, th- I think that's the biggest thing with losing someone is like, you know, you know, well, if you believe that in angels or in, you know, that life goes on just in a different form. Like yeah. you can know that, but that, but it's like, what do you do with that physical space that that human used to occupy? Totally. That's the hard part. And I yeah. think you really, oh, I'm getting my truth pimples because mm-hmm. it's, it's exactly what I want to talk about. I think even having 
the connection to the other side, you still have to psychologically process the physical loss, the side, the, mm-hmm. the loss of this person in this lifetime as you knew them. And there was a lot of, um, with losing my dad, a lot of what I would call existential angst, just this, there is this figure that is one of your primary energies that basically bring you into this world Mm. is now gone in that form. Mm. So it was, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely very aware that the human grieving process has to happen. You can't just kind of, spiritually bypass into oh is it in a better place sure, <laughs> sort of right. thing like yeah. that's that's nice to hear but until for me personally of course I'm not going to tell anybody how they should grieve but for mm. me personally I knew that I would have to do the hardcore physical grieving and literally the throwing myself on the ground mm. ah, yeah. crying yeah grieving yeah so I could get to the connection mm-hmm. that's on the other side because I know when people come to me, when that energy hasn't been processed, the psychological loss, it's actually harder to feel the connection because that's the thing that's actually kind of blocking it, blocking you feeling the connection because, once again, it's the ego, the ego mind. And I don't mean like ego, you're an asshole ego. (laughs) Just the mind that we have that is here to block out all of that non-physical shiznatch yeah um is still there and and we all any connection to the spirit or the non-physical comes through a processing of the egoic consciousness and the release of that and all its limitations yeah so you can so you can feel that so for me the grief and this sort of existential angst and I was surprised at how much just the psychology of um played a a part and what I mean by that is going through layers of guilt uh, because I lived a long time apart from my dad and Mm -hmm. had massive huge love and very profound not emotionally apart just physically apart in different countries yeah in different countries but I mean but there was stuff like my dad was an Australian man he literally never told me that he loved me until Mm. on his deathbed it was like the last thing he said to me wow (sighs) yeah and this is all really fresh like this just happened what was a month ago yeah it's about it was the the 20th yeah it's about six weeks ago so yeah yeah, and you know that that just saying that obviously had a little (laughs) flush of emotion yeah (laughs) um so, you know, the grieving process just continues to happen yeah. with, oh, with sure. that because that is part of the psychology of our relationship that that I know is is continues to get worked out now. Yep. And it was really amazing that my dad, I knew that the cosmic shift was happening because my dad, who is a very um, – he didn't really. He didn't believe in in the work that I do, mm-hmm. you know. And mm-hmm. actually, I had wanted to have him on the show and actually talk to him. That mm. was one of my first intentions to go back and be like, "Hey, let's just talk about, you know, what is it for you that makes this not believable?" I'm gonna I'm gonna have to talk to my brother instead. Yeah, <laughs> but. Um, but towards the end of his life, because he was just really hard headed, hard headed about many things. Mm. Um, towards his end of his life, he actually went to therapy, and then near the end, he identified himself as a Buddhist. <laughs> I'm like, this is crazy! Wow. Like, yeah, he was a, very much a 
atheist slash agnostic. Yeah. But went through a phase where he was really like, I, you know, I don't believe in any of this stuff and wanted to kind of disprove it. Mm. Um, so, and when I was a little kid, I was converting to uh, Catholicism. That's another whole story. I was so worried about his soul because he lived in, uh, he was living in Africa at the time and I was in Australia and I would write his, him these letters and be like, Dad. Actually, he was living in Australia by then, but in a different state. I'd be like, Dad, I'm really worried you're going to go to hell. Like, just try and believe. <laughs> try and believe. I just saw him crumbling up that letter in a yeah, fist. Yeah, and he'd be like, my soul is for the devil. <laughs> so, but he was cool in other ways because I had these T-shirts with all the names of the um, the spiritual uh Leaders of the Planets, my mm-hmm. Who's Your Master T-shirt. I might have to reprint those. Mm-hmm. Um, and he actually wore that. And yeah. one of the things that I found um, going through his closet um, <laughs> was, you know, that T-shirt literally threadbare. He wore yeah. it until there were holes I in it. I saw that T-shirt. Yeah. yeah, it was like he wore the hell out he of it. He wore the hell out of it. So and I, sweet. And I gave him another one and we yeah. bur- we buried him in it. Oh, so, and yeah. that was good. But the, yeah. whole, the whole experience was very... Very profound. Yeah. Um, I didn't – it happened very quickly. And But so people are, you know, like, well, did you know it was going to happen? You know, you're all tapped in, sure. whatever. And yeah. living away from my family, I don't – I have had this before where I get physical symptoms of what's happening to them. Oh, got one of those naughty motorbikes. <laughs> I get physical symptoms. So oh. years ago I was working on a startup and it was super stressful and I had like a lot of uh, anxiety about it because you've got like this a little bit of amount of money and you're trying to like build a whole startup and it was I didn't, <laughs> didn't really know what I was doing in terms of how startups happen, internet startups happen. Mm. So I was just like so stressed out. And one night I was in bed thinking I was having a heart attack. I'm like, oh, my God, because the, the startup's name was Butterbud, so it would just go through my head all the time, like, Butterbud, 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 but i got to do this, Butterbud, 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 Like butter you eat? It was like it was a barter trade website, oh, so it's so, so, but it was just like barter, like yeah. barter with your buddies, yeah, B-A-D-A-B-U-D. We'll talk about it some other time probably, yeah. but so I was in bed like barter, 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 barter this, barter, barter that, the, you know, the people in India, I've got to, <laughs> developers, barter, yeah. barter, just madness. And your left arm is tingling, and my, well, smell I, burn toast. Yeah, I totally <laughs> thought I was having a heart attack, but and luckily a friend of mine had told me that he had a panic attack and he thought he was having a heart attack like sure. years before. Yeah, yeah. He was like, I thought I was having a heart attack and I went to the hospital and the American medical system, I had like several doctors come in, look at me, whatever, and then they basically said, you're having a panic attack and they gave him an aspirin. And, <laughs> and his bill was $50,000 because every time – a new doctor. A doctor came in. It was an expert doing a consultation. Oh, my God. So luckily I had that memory. So I'm like, this is probably just a panic attack. <laughs> yeah. Let me save myself 50,000 bucks. <laughs> I'm not, don't go to the don't go to the medical emergency place yet. I'm, you know, it's fine. And then uh, 
But actually what was happening was the next day I found out that my dad, then still alive, was going in for open-heart surgery. They had just discovered that he had to have like this major open-heart surgery. And so um, I was like, okay, well, that's pretty crazy. I was just feeling all that heart action. And then when my grandma died Mm. uh, a few years later, she used to (laughs) – she used to get indigestion and be like, brap, like burp a lot and yeah. stuff, be like, brap, brap. And, you know, one day I woke up and I was just like, brap, brap, <laughs> doing my, like these little chicken burps, brap, brap. And I'm like, ah, this is like man. I'm turning into my nap. I'm getting old. I'm turning into my grandma. And she actually passed away that day as well. Wow. So, yeah. And you told me recently um, something about your mom. You were going through something physically. Yes. And then yeah. it turns out your mom was feeling better, but you, yeah, <laughs> but you yeah, were yeah. suffering. Like this you had a, taken it on. I had, well, and I, you know, it's part of like the Ben the Matrix work that I do, which we'll mm-hmm. talk a little bit more about. But yeah, my mom was having, you know, a bunch of physical issues and I was going out to visit her and I was just really dreading it. And, um, I was like, oh, I just like the the sort of the weight of being away from your family and feeling that that mm-hmm. kind of parental stress, worried worried about them and their health and stuff. And she, 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 yeah, she had actually had. I had been out, I had gone back, and then she went into hospital to have a. a I think this was when she had the knee replacement, mm. and uh, but then she had all these stomach hits. She got a twist in her stomach or actually I can't remember that was was this trip it was a stomach thing right so I was like oh this is gonna be a nightmare I'm gonna go home and look after and she's just gonna be like falling falling to pieces everywhere sort of thing and you know we're gonna have a bit what guilt and all these worries are gonna start kicking in and I went to the airport and I got this really bad stomach situation because I'd been working on the matrix. I was like, okay, maybe there's a reality out there where my mother, everything works out. Like it, this isn't this sort of slow decline into ter- terrible health and all this sort of stuff mm-hmm. that there's a reality out there somewhere where my mother is fine. Yeah. And I do this matrix bending work, which we'll talk about. And I was like, I just need to put my consciousness into that reality, go into my heart, center in my heart and go, okay, that's the reality I want to go to when I, mm. when I see my mom. So I go to the airport and I start getting this really, <laughs> I want to get too graphic, but I'm like, this is sad. A very bad stomach situation <laughs> kicked in <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not going to make it through this plane ride. The plane got delayed for yeah like 12 hours so they ended up sending us off to um a hotel for the day and I'm like okay kind of thank god but so I went to this like fancy hotel in Waikiki (laughs) thanks Qantas (laughs) or Jetstar whoever it was and had this like full-on stomach situation got to know (laughs) the bathroom pretty good that's all we need to say I did get to go and I did buy some go and get some stuff but yeah it was like but it was stomach situation and I was like I'm gonna be so sick if I arrive Mm. in Australia sick my mum's sick oh god this is just like a nightmare waiting to happen you know and I wanted to be in good shape so it all kind of worked out that the plane got delayed and then I just ended up moving my flight to go instead of in like 12 hours to go the, the same time the next day that I would have gone. Yep. So I had this sort of 24-hour 
luxury hotel stomach resolution session (laughs) (laughs) and I started to get better yeah I get off the plane I'm just still like oh what shape is she gonna be in Mm -hmm. I don't know I show up to her house and my mum bim 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 hi hey I'm right as rain everything I don't know everything just cleared up in the last 24 hours strangest thing the strangest thing and I'm like it is a strange thing to be me sometimes (laughs) so and I was fine she was fine so in order to pop into that reality where she wasn't going to be all sick and we we're going to have this horrible holiday and I was going to be sick, we yeah. actually ended up having a really wonderful time. All of her, you know, she made this like really rapid recovery and, uh, you know, Bob's your uncle. So that was, that was a good story about going home. Yeah. Um, this one was interesting yeah. because I had, I, I, I had seen last time that I was out and a few years ago, my dad had a, also a total organ failure. Mm. I went into hospital and it was a night before I was the, in the opening night of a play and I was literally like my dad's gone into total organ collapse. I found out at like four in the afternoon and I had to go and do this opening night of a play and like, hey, the show must go on. And I was like, I'm going to do this play and find out if my dad's alive, mm. you know. <laughs> At the end of it, basically. But I think I did a whole bunch of energy work Mm -hmm. then, did the play, came out, and he basically made it through that uh, that health crisis. But it it definitely diminished his health and what ended up him basically dying was this uh, uh, heart and lung. Anyway, you don't need to know all the details about my dad's thing, but... But I, last time I saw him, he had definitely, which was around Christmas, he had definitely declined. And I was like, it's probably going to happen in the next year and a half. I sure. wasn't expecting it to happen this quickly. But a friend of mine, the Sunday night before I knew, had emailed me a very dear friend of mine where I'll have her on the show one of, one of these days because it's kind of a true soulmate story. Mm. We, I won't, I won't ruin the story now, but she had sent me an email two weeks ago to an old email address mm. and I never saw it. It's just like the one, one that you I don't really use. Yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, the original, like 19, you know, yeah. your 2000 email address yeah. or whatever. Like you're just like, oh, it's so full of junk mail and everything. But I didn't, I, I didn't see it. I still check it, but I just don't check it that well. Yeah. And, um, I, saw this email that day and she had sent me some photos from when we lived next door to each other as Mm. little babies and she didn't know who it was in the photos and I looked at this photo it turned out to be a a photo of my my dad and my sister and I just uh I saw it and I felt really sad and then I looked at it later I was out with friends and I just started like looked at it again in the car and I just started bawling Mm. and bawling and bawling and my I had dinner and my friends were like in a in the in the in a bar and they're like you're gonna come in and I'm like yeah 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 I'll, I'll be in <laughs> like texting I'm like I shouldn't go in but I kind of got myself together a little bit and I'm not you know I'm not a big like if I'm gonna do my bowling I don't usually do it in the bar and some, kind of something, bar, yeah. something big is happening like mm-hmm. when the energy is so strong and I went in and I just started crying uncontrollably and I was talking to this friend of mine just going oh, you know I just think my dad is you know 
probably going to go in the next, you know, year and a half. I don't know. And I was talking a little bit about my family mm. and just crying and consolable. And, um, well, I got, I got it together after a while, but it was, there was something in that photo that was holding the energy and that was the night that he went into into yeah. his his health basically collapsed. He went into uh hospital. Yep. And here's an I'm going into the story because there are a lot of beautiful things that happened that he so I called him and my dad was very stoic, you know, and I called him so I found out from my brother, he texted yeah. and said, Dad's got into hospital I called him and I spoke to him in the hospital and I'm like, Dad, you know, do you want me to come home? I can come home. And he's like, no, no, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and he sounded off, but he was always like that. Mm-hmm. Like he had cancer five times and you wouldn't <laughs> even know. He was like, you know, I'm fine. Amazing, really. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah. I was like, wait, is she serious? Yeah, yeah. He, had, he, had, he had a lot of, times. he had a lot. And he is a brutal, like, well, we can talk about that. Mm. I'm going to talk about cancer more, but his will to live vigorously Mm -hmm. and to work he was just worked really really hard he loved to work and when my work ethic is kicked in I think I get that from when it's kicked in when I get it get it from my dad but he uh so he was like no no but I was like oh and then I told my stepmother and she's like well come out in a few days I need a bit of rest because I've been looking after him and I was like okay I'll book a booked a ticket to come out 10 days later and then the next day my stepmom called and was like, they're they're taking him off the life support. Mm. They're taking him off what they've had. Yeah. And it was it's all happening. Like it's yeah. happening. And yeah. and he at that point was asleep. I don't know if he was in a coma at mm. that point. And this was what was really powerful was that I was I mean, I I knew. Yeah. I knew. And I think I knew oh, because I gotta tell you about Luke Perry in all of this, right? <laughs> And this was that crazy full moon. It was that crazy full moon. So I knew I was like, so I'm going to, yeah, I'll tell you about Luke Perry. So I know that we have these certain periods of time where a gateway will open up Mm -hmm. and a lot of people will cross over during this time. And it's basically to do with this, you know, this shift in consciousness that we're happening that a lot of souls who kind of want to come back for the new reality and who are maybe like old older or ill or or there's something about their life that maybe is just too hard to correct Mm. and I'm not going to say this is Luke Perry but um that they're just like reset I'll just come back for the for the new for the new ride because it's just it's and the the new the energies are moving in sort of activating this this shift that we still haven't even properly talked about yet but um and so some spirits are just like yeah, I think I'm going to take this gateway out and I'll be back for the next round. And um, so I have seen that you have this pattern where it'll be, there'll be like some big celebrity deaths, usually some kind of mass death. So we had the, it, it could be a natural disaster. It could be terrorism. It could be plane crash. Oh. So we had, so when Luke Perry died, I was like, if this is a gateway opening, I don't think dad's going to make it, right? Just It was just like one of those passing thoughts. So yeah. when, when I heard he went into hospital, I was like, you know, even though part of you is denying it, I'm like this. And we had Luke Perry and then there was like the Auckland massacre. And um, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I think we're having a gateway. Mm-hmm. 
and yeah, he. Uh, so I was sort of like, yeah, this is probably happening. But that my so my dad when he was denying it, my stepmother she just wasn't ready to to accept this. She thought they would just tweak him up a bit and shuffle him back to the house and some oxygen or whatever. Um, but part of me knew, and obviously with the photo on some level, I knew what was happening. So yeah. anyway, he, then he went off life support. And I'm like, okay, I'm, my stepmom was like, just get a ticket. So I got another very good friend of mine helped me get a, another ticket. Thank you, Ryan Devitt. <laughs> and I spoke to dad. He came out of his coma. My stepmom called again and she's like, he's woken up. And I got to talk to him. I'm a little emotional, so that's when <laughs> when and I honestly I say I love you to everybody, and I didn't yeah. in life even say it that much to my. I never said it to my dad really because I I knew it made him uncomfortable mm-hmm. to actually then have to maybe say it back. You know, they're just yeah. from that old school that didn't say totally. it. Totally. But I had said to him when I spoke to him, I would say things like "lots of love to you" or whatever. But mm-hmm. that real like "I love you" thing. Mm-hmm was words that we did not speak. It's crazy because I tell everybody it all the time. Yeah. Um, but I just respected that that made him uncomfortable. Yeah. So he came out and uh, I think he knew, I think wherever he was in that um, that coma or that rest, right. I truly believe he went somewhere and he knew he oh, had yeah. to come back and speak, you know, and speak to us and and say these words of love. Yeah. And he told me that he loved me. And it was like amazing. And I and I was saying, I had already bought the ticket and I was like, I'm coming back. You know, he knew I was coming back. And uh and he had he my brother also got to speak to him. And I know that they talk about this thing like the surge before people die. Oh yes. Yeah. So he came back and he was, you know, talking to my stepmom and Talking, they had this. They have this vineyard, and talking. He was like sort of full of energy, and um, and, and how I, long did that last? So that lasted, you know, I guess a few. He ate. He ate like quite a lot of food, and um, you know, it was probably a few hours. And but they did put him into hospice. Mm-hmm, so my mm-hmm. stepmom was like, "He's back, but it's still yeah, it's still the end," you know. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So I thought, so I went to bed thinking I would get back in time to see him at least. And in my mind, I'm like, I'll be by his side and I'll, you know, yeah, make my final peace, mm-hmm. peace in, the, you know, in what I, and I'll spend that, spend that time with him. But he died that night mm-hmm. and it was, a, it was one awful plane ride home. I can tell you mm-hmm. that, but so you were in between planes when you spoke with him? No, no, I, I hadn't gone to the airport. I was still oh, at home okay. when I spoke to him. Okay. And then I was packing, thinking, I'm, I'm going to see him. Yeah. I'm going to see him yeah. again. And um, got on the plane. No, sorry, I woke up in the morning and then there was a text uh, from my stepmom saying that he had passed. And I, mm. as I was going to bed, I, I did feel this lift of energy and I thought um, – I have, you know, I've got some people on the other side. I thought they were coming to, like, comfort me basically. But part of me was like, oh, that could be the release. Yeah. Because even when he, a a friend of mine was over and I was packing and kind of, you know, frantic and stuff and I felt this sudden lift of energy and I was like, oh, God, he's, he's, 
he's gone, right? Mm. But my right then my phone rang and that's when my stepmother said, uh, he's come out of the, the, the coma or whatever it was. And that's when I got to speak for him. So he sort of like <laughs> came back, you know, yeah. doing his like <laughs> final curtain appearance. So I went home, but and I, you know, I missed his death. But to be, to be honest, my dad would have absolutely hated having me by his bed, blubbing and crying, yeah. and be like, "Dad, I love you," and I just, you know, I was yeah. like, he, that wasn't his thing. So yeah. I think it happened what was right for him. Sure, we said those words, and. But he was a proud man. He wouldn't have. I think he, he even recently, he didn't like to. Uh, have us FaceTime when he, mm. you know, when he was feeling off or whatever. Yeah. He didn't want to be seen. So yeah. it was like, okay, good for you, Dad. But I did go and see his body. I'm like, you may have got out of this <laughs> while you were alive, <laughs> but we will have our final birds. <laughs> and and I went and saw his body. And I have to say another, you know, if anyone is approaching the death thing, um, there was a massive amount of energy still in his mm-hmm. body when I went mm-hmm. and saw him. Mm-hmm. So, you know, some people say the spirit leaves. My personal experience was maybe because my dad knew that I wanted that, but there was I was surprised when I put my hand on it that I got a full energy connection. Wow. Uh, so he wasn't he wasn't totally there. And I think obviously all of this stuff is flexible, but I was surprised. I was surprised at how much energy was still mm-hmm. present. And, and that was the time where I really got to talk to him because mm. then you're so in the funeral arrangements and doing all of that, which is also a, a very a, a profound and amazing part of the process, I think, to, to participate in. Um, uh, but that time with being with his body was where I got to just sort of say, you know, just talk to him. Talk, yeah. talk to him in a way that 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 physical presence was still there, and I'm yeah. really glad to have done that. Yeah, yeah. So, but the funeral, I think there's something about participating in the funeral that because I knew I would leave, and so I'm not in that space where he existed physically. the The process of doing the funeral, my brother and I put it together at his at their vineyard and in this beautiful, uh, they have a cellar which they dug out of the rock and just is a very sacred kind of energy in that thing. So we set it all up in there and um, my stepmother selected like a wicker, um, a wicker uh, coffin Huh. Which biodegrades. Oh, and she made all these amazing, beautiful wreaths made out of the the vines yes. from the vineyard. Yeah. So he, he he was buried like a bottle of Chianti. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he loved his football team, Richmond. So he had the Richmond scarf. And but but going through the process, I made a movie of all the pictures and going through the pictures. There's just something very powerful about that the sacredness of ceremony. Yes. Not just to put, to honour and put him to death, but to also kind of create the crucible for the new life because there's such such a big part of the the emotional processing in the morning happened, happened for me within that process mm-hmm. um, that we were setting up, you know, really what is the new life of us all mm-hmm. now after after this? You know, what's the new life between my, my stepmother and I, you know, this vineyard, 
creating this kind of, for me, sacred ceremony that, yeah. that, that honoured my dad very much, mm-hmm. but also honoured this the, the new phase or created a crucible for the new phase. So people, everyone's different, you know, about whether they want to go through that stuff, but I'm such a believer in the morning, grieving, feeling emotion process in order to move on, mm-hmm. in order to then let your new life come in. Mm-hmm. And and you're allowed to have that because the spirits don't want us to be miserable forever and ever. So if you just, <laughs> for me, I'm like, okay, bring on the grief, bring on the angst, let's do this. It, and sometimes I thought I was like literally losing my mind. It was mm-hmm. definitely very difficult. I don't want to make light of it. Yeah. But I'm just like a hard, fast processor. Some people like to might do it for a much longer time. But were you conscious of it? Were you like, all right, the sooner I get into yeah. this and cry on the floor? Totally. Okay. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I'm like, because also I had terrible stomach pains on the flight coming over and I knew my body was trying to suppress some of the emotions because totally. I, I literally found out I had two hours before I was getting picked up before going on, going to the airport and then being in transit for the next uh whatever it was 18 hours Mm. was like a 12 hour flight and then another flight it was it was it was really awful I have to say and my body was I was in a lot of physical pain because I couldn't just be like ah you know I was crying on the plane (laughs) yeah I did have a few wines and I said I was like I said to the airline stewardess I was like yeah like, I'm that person on this flight, you know. I'm sure you have one of us every flight. <laughs> yeah, in like, case you were wondering who you, it is on this flight. It is me. You're looking at her. You're, <laughs> looking, you're looking at us. <laughs> Give me the Chardonnay. Yeah. <laughs> well, and honestly, I had to calm my nervous system down. It's, oh, you yeah. know, because, again, even yeah. though I know on some level I'm spiritually connected, energetically connected, biologically, yeah. my biology that kicks, connects me to my physical family is freaking out. This yep. is the survival. This is the father figure is dying. He he is the the leader of the tribe. So th- yeah. this is a really important thing to understand about consciousness is we can be totally energetically connected, but our biology, which is something that is shifting and, and, and changing at the moment, is still wired for survival. And so when we lose a, a tribes member, part of our survival system is like, oh, shit, <laughs> you yeah. know, and freaking out. Yeah. So there's so many levels of um, our consciousness that's operating. You know, on the one hand, it, I mean, it's just a hot mess. I'm kind of feeling him, but then this sort of psychological angst and pain and then the nervous system just, you know, and then my body locking up and mm-hmm. just freaking, freaking out, basically. So, yeah, you can tell I handled it well. <laughs> <laughs> No, and, and then like I, we decided to do the ceremony and leading up to that, there was one day where I was like, I, 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 I'm, I'm going to lose it. I'm going to lose it. I'm going to lose my mind. And uh, But it, it all ended up being absolutely amazing. And truly in now it's really interesting because my dad really didn't believe or understand what I do. He missed a lot of my life because we were apart for not just – when I started traveling and left Australia when I was 24, but even in our childhood, we spent a lot of time apart because he lived and worked in Africa. We all lived in Africa and then we were separated. So that I think actually part of my energy connection is I've always been 
even though I wasn't conscious or understood it, energetically connecting with people who are far away, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. feeling them and feeling their emotions and mm-hmm. feeling feeling what's happening to them. But I, I didn't really know that that's what some of what my feelings were were also his feelings. Like I, when he stayed in Africa and we came back, he, I felt such an intense longing to be with my dad and it was years later my stepmom said that when she met him he would just sit with pictures of my sister and I and just sit and I thought he was just off working and gallivanting around but really he was sitting there looking at these pictures of my sister and I and really longing for us to be to be with us wow and I didn't even when she told me that I didn't believe it but then when I saw how he was because my dad was just not someone who picked up on the phone and Mm -hmm. called Mm -hmm. he was I think he had phone phobia Mm -hmm. I always would have to call him but when I saw him with my brother's sons my nephews Mm -hmm. on Instagram my Mm. uh, my uh, sister-in-law is great about posting and he would just sit there and look at these pictures and I was like yeah that's what you used to do and now I understand that when I was feeling all that longing it was also you I was feeling so these kind of these connections with with our family which are psychological they're energetic and it's really interesting because how our psychological mind might process that separation and like my psychological mind was like well dad's not here I'm alone um, but energetically what was happening is that, that that connection was always there and and as I've become more energetically sensitive, I experience it in a lot more of a, it's more of my conscious reality. My It's mm. more of my, how I live in life. Um, so, you know, people, I, I posted on Facebook because I knew I was going to go through a difficult time and I said I really need people's love and I felt it. Mm-hmm. And when people post stuff on Facebook and say please send, you know, love and light to me or this person who's in hospital, I know that stuff works. I know that when my dad had the organ collapse I, I put a post and I know that that energy was surrounding him during that. And I felt it viscerally for me because I can feel this stuff. So it isn't, these aren't abstract concepts like love and light. Like yeah. if, if 400 people hold a positive intention for some, somebody yeah. because we're connected, you mm-hmm. know, and we all just choose to focus love on that, that person or that, that experience, I'm telling you, that stuff works. It's what got me through, <laughs> along with the Chardonnay, <laughs> that plane ride, <laughs> that yeah. every I could feel people's energy supporting me and the messages that people sent me. It, it's, a lot of people don't know what to do when yeah. someone has a beloved die. I didn't, didn't, until you go through it, you don't really know what works. Mm-hmm. And for me, definitely, the people who sent messages Honestly, it doesn't matter what you say. Just yeah. say something, yeah. you know, like yeah. I love you, I'm thinking of you, if you need me, I'm here. If not, I like, what, just something because you feel when, when you lose such a big touch point to your existence, um, feeling that web of oh, I have all these other touch points that love me, that, yeah. that support me, yeah. it definitely helps with with lightening the bereftness quality of of losing someone so in my experience you know mm-hmm. again people are different but i 
I noticed that the people who've lost people were like on it. Yeah. Because <laughs> you know? yeah. they obviously know right. what They've worked for there. them. Yeah. So if you, you know, if you've ever got a, a hesitation, should I write, I'm like, I don't want to disturb them or whatever. That's what I'll often feel mm. or have felt in the past. I don't know. Like I, I don't want to remind them of it. But just something. It's just because I, being apart from my family, my friends' network mm-hmm. is just so massive. Mm-hmm. Um, that and it's such a heavy thing. You can't lay it all on like one friend, right? <laughs> like you will listen to my grief day in day out. Yeah. yeah, but I had enough wonderful, amazing friends to kind of move that experience around. And uh, that's always beautiful to see, not like in a testing way, like let me see, yeah. but just to see. Who steps up? Yeah. Because sometimes it's not who you think it is, right? It, right, it's just right, like, right. Damn, okay. Yeah. Okay. And often it's it's coming because they've experienced it yeah. and they know. Yep. They just know. For yep. that particular thing, they're good. Mm-hmm. Like they're really good. And, mm-hmm. and one person who really, again, and here's another crazy element of this story, um, the friend of mine who had sent me the photo, mm-hmm. very old family friend, very old friend, she came to meet me at the airport mm-hmm. when I finally got to Melbourne because I decided to, my brother was coming in the next morning and my dad's vineyard is in the country. So I decided to get a, a, a scrappy hotel near the airport mm-hmm. and wait for my brother to arrive. But the thought of being by myself mm-hmm. for even more time. In a crappy hotel room. In a crappy hotel <laughs> with no one to process. It was getting, yeah. like, unbearable, yep. really, and I was in all the physical pain. But my friend said, I'll, I'll come and meet you, and she did what all good girl friends. She brought <laughs> wine, chocolate, and painkillers. Oh, wow. And she got me through that so first good. night. Yep. She got me through that first night. And... um. You know, then I, my brother came and, and, and we went to to the vineyard. But then on my last day in Melbourne, I was there when she had to put her dog down. Mm. She had to put her dog down and that's like her child. Mm-hmm. And it was like this very – and we'll, I, we'll talk, probably talk about it more. It was this really powerful thing of this friend who is literally my oldest friend in the world mm. – um, us being there and the universe putting us together, yeah, whatever our souls putting us, bringing us together in general, you mean in general, you together in for general. this, because she'd had that dog for like 12 years. It was that dog, Audrey, was her child, yeah. So her, the loss of that dog is, you know, Massive. and I've lost my dog, so I know what that was like. Yeah. So it just mm. showed up, and I think the dog knew the dog was like, George is here, you know. Yeah. I can go yep. on this day yeah. and they just go down, you know, when it's right. And literally the half an hour before I was going to the airport, we like, we did that. So wow. it was a very, very profound trip. There's so many soul connections um, going on yeah. in that journey that, and I guess I just wanted to speak about it because this, process of going from physical to non-physical honoring our human self mm-hmm. you know the psychology of the inner children you know the parts of us that you know are you know just love our parents or or struggle with our parents because not everybody you know we all have you know parents are a big part of our our um psychological and spiritual path like yeah. what, how we are programmed by them 
how we build a psychological relationship to our childhoods, which, mm-hmm. are, you know, my childhood was, was difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, can we find the love? Can we, can you, can you find the love? Can you, can you find the forgiveness? Can you find, um, can you make peace? Yeah. You know, it's yeah, such a, lot a of lessons it, it's a lot of lessons. Mm-hmm. And I just don't feel like the connection with the other side becomes as strong and as powerful and as constant as it can until the human process is, is, is worked through to a deep, and that might take you, you know, a few weeks. It might, it might happen in three days for you. It might happen in four years. But having done that and done it like hardcore, I feel my dad, it's funny because I was like, I was in a lot of angst and I wasn't feeling him energetically. And it's weird. I had ordered this light this light, it's called a Soma Veda light, mm-hmm. and it gets rid of um, uh, it gets rid of like electro smog and you know. Oh, I saw it in your room. It's glowy. Yeah, the glowy green light. Uh-huh. <laughs> it, it, you know, you can use it to like purify water, and it just gets rid of all the you know the neggy waves. Yeah, I had got that, <clears throat> and it arrived. You know, about a week after I got back from my trip, and mm-hmm. I was still very much in the angst. Mm-hmm. Um, and I popped that on, and uh, the first night I slept with it, I woke up in the morning feeling a really strong connection to someone who's important to me. And then the next morning, I woke up and I felt my dad's. I felt my dad's energy very, very strongly, very clearly. I felt it in the same way as I felt it when I went in when in Sorry's body. And I and I don't know if it was the light or whatever it was, but at some point, you know, the energy field cleared up enough. It helped me this, with the, some of the psychological processing enough that I could feel the energy connection. And then there was sort of like another wave. Um, mm. But now I actually feel amazing and I feel like all of these things are happening in my life that yeah. I think my dad is helping with now. I truly believe he sees what I've been doing. <laughs> And yeah. he's like, oh, this is what she's been doing. Yeah. All right. I mean, you know, he's helping to line things up in in my career, my business, things that, like, he would have approved of. Because yeah. he was always like, when I first tried to tell him about this stuff, he was like, that is bloody ridiculous. <laughs> you know, he wasn't having a bar of it. <laughs> and then after a while, after I persisted with it, he was like, well, as, you know, as long as you can make some money out of it <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. And he kind of, you know, came to some some you know practical level of acceptance so now I'm sure well he's obviously going to believe it because he's on the other side what's up dad I'm just high-fiving him (laughs) um but things are really moving in terms of like manifestation and the other crazy thing was with my skydiving he did not like me skydiving and I didn't talk to him about it that much because I know it made him uncomfortable you know Mm. um and he was worried about me yeah and he was, because he was like, you know, I'm not that coordinated. <laughs> <laughs> so he had been like, he'd always taken me to uh, play Saturday morning hockey. So he really knew that I, you know, I was a lot more enthusiasm than skill. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> and I think he was, when I told him about the skydiving, he was like, no, 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 well, no, no, you're not really... <laughs> <laughs> you're not really a physically adept person is this really the yeah. thing you should be doing <laughs> jumping out of planes and stuff like that 
But it's funny after after he died, my I waited a little bit till I was more psychologically stable. But the day I did my first jump, there was this uh, this feeling that I knew what I was doing. That mm. I had a clarity of mind mm-hmm. and a confidence in mm-hmm. myself. And I've got 500 jobs. You would hope that it would be coming in. But it, I'll talk about another time why it was also a big struggle for me to just believe in myself. It's like I was like, okay, no, if this happens, I do this, I do this. The clarity of mind, it was really astonishing. So I think that either, again, his doubts about me doing it were somehow still a little woven into my energy field, into my my psychology about it. Or now that he's on the other side, he's like, okay, this is kind of cool shit, actually. Yeah. (laughs) I'm coming with you. And if we're going to do this together, you're going to have your mind straight because he was very practical like that. So been, it's been, you know, uh, yeah, a very, really interesting, profound, obviously deeply sad. I mean, I'm just talking about the psychology because I hope, to help other people find their way maybe to build the yeah. relationship with because um, it's not something you're ready for. And sometimes people need permission to grieve. Totally. Normal grieving. Totally. You know? yeah. Because there's a – yes, I'm glad you brought that up because there's such a societal judgment about – emotion like oh she's too emotional and like my definitely my mom like some people were worried but I know that emotion is energy in motion and I know from working with people who have chronic illness who are who have cancer who have you know all of these things going on that when we don't let emotion move it Mm -hmm. gets blocked Mm -hmm. and and people get sick so I would rather cry and grieve and help that emotion, energy be in motion than, than be locked down and be like contracting in my body and um, uh, locking down my energy. And that's this is really a lot of people talk about the, the masculine and feminine energy. Mm-hmm. I guess we'll just divert into this right now because mm-hmm. because – and people are like, you know, down with the patriarchy and, you know, um, up with the feminine energy. And when we're talking energetically, what is masculine energy and what is mm-hmm. feminine energy? Mm-hmm. Separating it from men and gender, women, right. gender mm-hmm. and, you know, the, the fight for – because I think a lot of that fight that we're seeing in the world between – um, men and women, quote unquote, like men, women's rights, you know, mm-hmm. and the, you know, mm-hmm. the <laughs> Congress, the white male Congress, like oppressing right. women and, or however it's projecting in your reality, you might yeah. be experiencing this fight at work. And men might also, and are also experiencing, hey, uh, I'm feeling really hated upon mm-hmm. by women because mm-hmm. of this other big collective thing that I don't really, you know, I feel like I'm, you know, a decent person, you know, there's a big struggle, a big polarized struggle in our consciousness, mm-hmm. um, in our project, broader projected consciousness between the masculine and the feminine. Yeah. And what to me that is, is a mirror of the struggling to find balance between the masculine and feminine energy within us. Mm-hmm. So our masculine energy is that proactive, creative, mental sort of strategizing, um, Aspect, And that's when we're really using our mind as a tool. 
right, as a tool to get get things done, like mm-hmm. drive your car. You're using the mind as a tool and the body mind as a tool. And the feminine side is the more feeling, intuitive, mm-hmm. receptive, receptive mm-hmm. kind of when I do energy work, it's, you know, feeling into the expression of energy in the world and, and getting a read on that. So but what sort of happened is that the mind, that masculine side within us has moved into controlling the feminine side. So it's trying to use its tool-like structure to control the feminine energy, which is like, let's square this away. Let's put this away. Yeah. <laughs> What's this big ball of energy coming up? Where's the most practical place I can put that and it's created this deep resistance between the masculine and the feminine energy because the the masculine energy kind of wants to order it yeah and and make it practical sure and the feminine energy is is just over here being a cloud it's like you can't yeah and it's and really we need both to work together because for me even in my work to read energy right because when it's all swirling and it's in all that sort of, you know, when the when the emotion is really rolling, right, and, and the angst, I'm allowing that to move. But at a certain point, once we let the emotion move and it, it is, it's become freed up, it's now energy that is available for creation, then we use structure again to manifest something with that, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Then, mm-hmm. then it's going to start to take form again. So this, you know, this struggle that we're going through, whichever side, whether you're a man or a woman or feel masculine or feel feminine or feel like you're being oppressed by the feminine or feel like you're being oppressed by the masculine, because I work with male clients and they feel, you know, how women can feel oppressed by the masculine in the workforce or whatever, um, male clients can feel oppressed by, you know, experiences that they've had you know with their mothers or with with Mm. whatever like I don't want to get too specific about what that is because I I want people to sort of investigate that for themselves Mm -hmm. um and the reason we're seeing this and really my dad and I were well I mean I have quite I have I think I have a balance of the masculine I mean obviously I jump out of planes and I've done some pretty (laughs) like dynamic assertive elements but then I'm all tapped into the Mm -hmm. and that was one of my lessons to learn was actually to integrate my masculine feminine energy so Mm -hmm. so I could be functioning with these two things operating yeah not so lost in the emotion that I couldn't put structure into life not so into the control of the mind that I couldn't feel the emotions because when it's really the feeling sense that that Emotions is emotion is almost more like when the energy has been put into a structure and then it's trying to escape. That's where you really get the drama Ooh, from. So true. You yeah. know, it's mm-hmm. like the ah! mm-hmm. But when the emotion or the energy is like processed, then we can connect to the feeling state, the knowing state. Yeah. So knowing is different from thinking and feeling is different from emotion. Yeah. And when when feeling and knowing kind of come together, they're, they're kind of like the higher elements of these two, you know, aspects of ourselves. Yeah. And that's really what you want to go to. You kind of use use the feeling to to come into the knowing, mm. rather than use the thinking to control the emotion or the emotion 
to break the thinking. Mm. It's yeah. So um, so when you know again with our relationships with our parents, my mother has a mental illness, so I had a a, a much more um, toxic relationship to the feminine in a lot of ways. And I really wanted to, my dad as the quote unquote healthy one, um, I wanted probably to identify more with the masculine energy, you know, like when I was a kid, like, you know, shot haircuts. Yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. That was represented. So my spiritual journey has taken me on um, a lot of integrating and, and allowing myself to move more fully into, instead of being, super bright, intelligent, you know, mathematical, uh, you know, um, ex- uh, not external success but dri- driven by achievement. Yeah. Which this is so like earth element to me. Earth element. Yeah. yeah. Achievement, yeah. structure, right. structure, stability. Yeah, and just, um, yeah, like uh, our more linear mm-hmm. kind of uh, – um, what how we perceive success how how we perceive yeah, you know yeah, totally. but, but but the the positive qualities are my go-getter um an ability to break down information and i think i use it in the channel channeling like mm-hmm. the energy comes in like a vibration and then my mind can now take that and put it into a sort of quantifiable co- concept it can mm-hmm. conceptualize it and it mm-hmm. can break it, mm-hmm. it can, it's not just that the pink cloud is, you know, I mean, if you're going to be a teacher um, and you have to explain things, then you do have to take this big morph of energy and actually start yeah. to put it into a structure that's then something that people can learn and start to work with. Yeah. Um, but I had to learn to connect and, you know, and and love my feminine energy a yeah. lot more and women and, and friendships of uh, I had a lot more guy friends I think mm. when I was younger. Um, even in my stand-up, I, at first I was really wearing, like, always wearing pants, really like, rah, rah, rah. Yeah. And then my... Right here with you, brother. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then my, and that was part to, like, offset, uh, audience reaction. Sure. Which we can get into another time, but, but, um... At the end, I had more like this kind of crazy cougar act where I wore dresses and was mm-hmm. m- much more in that, you know, vampy. And I would never have worn dresses at, 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 in the beginning. And mm. I, it was actually part of my spiritual process right? that actually got me wearing dresses and embodying more of this, like, you know, <laughs> this cougar vibe. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Energy. Thank so, goodness. Yeah, so that's, you know, and then you've got daughters and fathers, mothers and sons, mm-hmm. relationship couples, the masculine and the feminine energy, how we work in harmony, who embodies that role. At the end of the day, we're coming back to unity with it all and I do believe that's why we're seeing a lot of uh, transgender and non-identified mm-hmm. energies coming in because they're they're like we've sort of moved past this polarity of girl yeah. and boy and we're yeah. just in unity state and yeah. you know you have people like oh that's the fall of you know civilization that <laughs> these you know little boys are wearing dresses and little girls are wearing pants you know ah but it's to me it's it's one of the signs that there is like this sort of this integration happening and it's starting Mm. to literally get embodied in society and I don't think we have to go one way or another with that but it's just like um 
we can unify with our masculine in a partnership or with our feminine in a partnership. Uh, we can unify with it in ourselves. I believe we really need to within ourselves to really harness all our powers, or maybe not. And as the world, we're, we're unifying these forces because we are better together. Yeah. We really are better together. Hey, guys, thank you so much for joining us on this big, juicy conversation about my dad's passing, feeding into... And, George, I just want to thank you for sharing so openly and honestly. Oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah. It's important. Yeah. It's important it's good, we talk about this sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Melissa. Yeah, hey, no problem. Well, check out all Melissa's cool stuff at themarslab.com. <laughs> well, thanks. Check out Georgia Jean's cool stuff at circleevolution.com. We love you. Love you. Bye. Coming up on the next episode of Coming Out of the Cosmic Closet. And we have our very first exciting guest coming to join us in the show. We have Ruben Langdon. Woohoo! Woohoo! Yay! Wow! <laughs> so Ruben, Ruben is awesome. He is the, um, he's a stunt guy. Mm-hmm. He does a lot of video games. He was the uh, stunt double for Jake, Sully, and Avatar. Yep. And he's really into the cosmic, the cosmic flora. closet. Yeah, he's way out of the cosmic closet. Yes. Actually, a lot more out of the cosmic closet. I'm really good at just spotting them. Yeah, I get like a knock on the head. Yeah, and they say, "Look over here." Look over here. And yeah. and I look. Oh, look! There's the UFO. And then everybody sees it, and it's nice confirmation when when, when that everybody happens. sees it. Yeah. And that's really what makes me believe what I do is that other people confirm back to me the energy that they that they feel yeah. when mm-hmm. I do my thing.